Thank you for listening to the Passion Church Podcast. Our mission is to help you win by living a genuine Jesus-filled life. If you are ever in Cameron, Missouri, come and see us and join the Passion Church family. Visit our Facebook page or our website at passionchurchmo.com to find out more about us. You have your Bibles, and I hope you do. Turn to Romans, the eighth chapter. Last few weeks we've been speaking, and it's like on Wednesday night we've been talking about the Holy Spirit, and we kind of went through a little series, really not intending to, but we kind of went through a little series of of how intimate that relationship really is with the Holy Spirit and how serious the Holy Spirit takes that relationship. Most of the time we could probably honestly say that God takes that more serious than we do sometimes. Uh, We know that we can't get to heaven without him. But life gets in the way. How many of you had life just get in your way? Just gets in the way. And uh, things get busy. And the next thing you know, you wake up and you realize, man, I haven't, I haven't been intimate with God in, in days. And so I'm going to kind of continue just a little bit with speaking about the Holy Spirit tonight, if that's all right. Austin picked out some great songs tonight. I don't think he really knew where I was headed, and so that's how God orchestrates things. In the seventh chapter, the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and of course, he was a Roman citizen, so he was both, he was an Italian Jew, if that makes any sense, and um, he, um, he was teaching in chapter seven that that uh, without the law, man didn't even know he was in sin. We were lawless. So God gave us the law to teach us what sin is. But then when you know a law, it's human nature to want to break that law. How many could say amen to that? How many times if somebody tells you, oh, you can't do such and such, and that becomes the temptation of your life? How many times, how many ever had mommy say, you can't touch the cookie jar, right? <laughs> Woohoo! For me, it would have been the Twinkie jar. Anyway, in all of this, he's letting us know that, that the law, as good as it was to point out sin, wasn't enough to forgive sin. It wasn't enough. The law in and of itself is not enough for us to live a righteous, holy life in the presence of God because of our fallen human nature. And in the latter portion of 7, he makes that statement that most of us, in verse 24, that most of us uh, really relate to, O wretched man that I am, because I know to do good, but I don't often do it. And when I want to do right, sometimes my flesh fights me. How many have ever been in that battle? We've all been there, right? But here's the beauty Verse in chapter 8 starts off, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. The truth is, left of my own device, I'm a wretched man. 
But because of what Christ Jesus has done, he's already fulfilled the law. So the fulfillment of the law has been added to my life through the grace of Jesus Christ, unmerited favor. I didn't earn it. I couldn't earn it. I could never be good enough to get it. Yet Jesus gave it to me. So now there's no condemnation. We shouldn't be walking around with guilt hanging all over us. There's no condemnation. I'm a keeper of the law. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, you look like a law keeper. Mm -hmm. Aren't you glad for Jesus? Mm. Jesus condemns sin, and he did it in the flesh, something you and I could not do. He in the natural was able to resist sin all the way to the cross of Calvary until his resurrection. None of us could have done that. Thank God for his unmerited favor. Thank you, Jesus, for doing what you have done. And then in chapter 8, somewhere around verse 12, we find out that we have sonship through the Spirit. Verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. In other words, it would behoove us to understand spirit living. Who could say amen to that? Verse 14, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption. That's why there is therefore now no condemnation. You've been adopted by the Father. But you have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, that means Papa or Daddy, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. If children then heirs, you're not just a child of God. You haven't just been saved from your sin, but you have been given the very inheritance of Jesus. I'm having fun. Mm, mm. <laughs> and if children, then heirs. Heirs of what? Heirs of God. You have inherited God. <laughs> and joint heirs with Christ. You inherited the Father through adoption. You now have a papa. And a lot of us, we struggle in life because we try to associate God with what we know of an earthly father. That's why Jesus said, call no man father, because we ain't got a clue. But the heavenly father, who knows everything and created everything, he understands what a father is. And through Jesus, we know now what we could not know. What religion failed to really paint for us, Jesus came and demonstrated. And by looking into the face of Jesus, we look into the face of the Father. 
Jesus brought us our inheritance to earth and showed us this is what the Father looks like. And this is what the Father means when he speaks the law. And this is the spirit of the law, the heart of the Father, not the bondage of the law, but the spirit of the law. Now this word goes on and says that we've been made joint heirs with Christ. So we inherited a father and have become the joint heir in the same standing with Christ Jesus. And if need, we suffer with him that we may also be glorified together. In other words, the suffering that I'm going to face in this life adds to the inheritance that I'm going to get through Christ Jesus, that God, my new Father, will receive glory from the things that I've gone through in this life, and others will come to him, drawn to him, because they see in me something different that's been inherited into my life that I was not born with. (laughs) Oh, that felt good. I don't know if you're where I'm at, but that felt good. Romans 8, 14, for as many, this is the King James Version, As are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That means you two ladies. We're the children of God. How many here feel like a child of God tonight? How many sometimes you feel like a child of God and other times you feel like sin on a popsicle stick? Huh? Come on. Sometimes we, we slip back into chapter 7 sometimes because we, we're very much aware of our weakness. But in Christ Jesus, it's yes and amen. In Christ Jesus, I'm already a joint heir. In Christ Jesus, I've got all that I need for victory. It's keeping my mind in the right half, if I can say it that way, of my covenant. My covenant's not in the Old Testament. My covenant's in the New. I don't have to keep the law. I don't have to go through rituals. I don't have to go through washings. I don't have to go through all of that stuff. All I have to do is say yes to Jesus, receive the Father as my Father, and then walk in this life as a joint heir to everything Jesus has already won for me. That's why the word calls me more than a conqueror. Who can say amen to that? Y'all look really sober tonight, so I'll make this quick. So, how many have figured out that following God is a glorious journey of hide and seek? It's like sometimes I really see him and sometimes I can't find him. How many, have, how many have gone through that? Moments, it's like I'm so in love with you and I, I'm, I'm so close. It's like I can almost hear the choirs of angels sing. And other times it's like the ceiling is brass and I can't seem to find where you are, God. At times, I don't know how it is for you, but at times I'm walking what I feel like is a blind walk of faith. Y'all are so holy you're afraid to admit it. Sometimes it's one step at a time, and as I take that step, then I get the revelation of what it is God's trying to say to me. Who can say amen to that? Mm. Often, we don't know where we're going. Who can say amen? When God calls us, 
he doesn't, he doesn't give us the full picture. In fact, those of you who have a calling in your life, if you're a visionary like me, you see the big picture, but you have no clue what the journey is going to be like getting there. Is that fair? Can I just say that because of Christ Jesus, we've been engrafted into the Abrahamic covenant. So the same inheritance that Israel, the natural Israel, will receive is the same inheritance that you and I will receive because Jesus fulfilled the law and handed it to you and me. But Abraham, being the father of faith, understood this, this, this walk that often you do not know where you're going. When God called him, he was busy making idols. That's what he did for a living. And he heard a voice of the living God. And he, he didn't carve statues to that God. He began to follow that God. And that God told him, I want you to separate yourself from your family. Get out from among them. Be ye separate and follow me and go to a land that I will show you. He didn't tell him where the land was. So he gathered together those that he felt needed to go with him, took along a few people who should not have gone along with him. We do that sometimes. How many, how many have tried to add your, your interpretation to God's word sometimes? And so it cost him in some, in some ways, but he got up and made his way to Canaan land. And often... We have no true understanding of where this journey will end. Now, we have it because we have the book of Revelation, so we understand it. But it just in your everyday, in general walk with God, we often don't know where it's going to go, where it's going to take a turn, what twist is next. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a twist coming. You all said that, but you were scared to say it. <laughs> But how many will agree with me, yet this walk is the most exhilarating experience of your life? So I'm going to show you just one Greek word. not going to go into a big, drawn, long, drawn-out thing. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Look at that word, led. That word, led, L-E-D, is the word in Greek, ago, A-G-O, ago. It is the act of leading an animal, such as a cow or a goat, at the end of a rope. Like a rope hung around your neck, the Holy Spirit gently tugs and pulls us along on the journey God has for us. So there are those moments when you know exactly what to do, and there are those moments you're not so sure what to do. And sometimes... I need that gentle tug of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I need an impression of what it is that's next. Sometimes I need a discernment for where I'm at. How many can say amen to that? You see, God prompts us on our journey. He doesn't force us. He just gently gives us the tug or the pull we need to take the next step. So in essence, it really is our journey oftentimes really does have a blindness to it. Because God is asking us to trust him even if we don't understand the next step. Mm. How many of you ever blindfolded someone and played a game and you, by the leading of your voice, that person has to follow you. They have to trust you. 
We played that when I was a kid, played that in youth groups. And we learned that as an object lesson of faith, learning how to follow someone else's voice, that they would not steer you into trouble. And it's much the same with the picture that's being drawn here. We so often have impatience on our journey, and we want to know where are we going and why. How many of that's drove you crazy? When you're in the middle of something and you want to know the end of this and you want to know how many more days of trial am I going to have and how many more days of lack am I going to go through and how many more. But how sweet is it when it comes out on the other end? But sometimes in the middle of it, we get so impatient. We get testy with God. Is that a good word? We just get testy with God. And it's, really, it's in those moments that I have to clamp my mouth shut and put a halter on my tongue because I could undo a lot of great stuff if I run my mouth in that season. That's why Jesus told his disciples right down at the end when his life was under the most scrutiny and under the most pressure, when he was at the olive press of the Mount of Olives, when he was crying out at Gethsemane and praying, in that moment, he had to be careful not to talk to the disciples too much because he would get out of the will of God. And he had to guard what he said. But remember... The Holy Spirit now is the Spirit of truth. According to John 16, 13, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. For we will not speak on His authority, but whatever, uh, but He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak and He will declare to you the things that are to come. So in John 16, 13, we find out that the Holy Spirit is just like that little game I was talking about when you wear a blindfold and someone's leading you with voice command. But the beauty is the Holy Spirit has no will other than the Father's will for you. He's not going to play some nasty little trick on you and get you out into the middle where you look like the roadrunner in a, in a, 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 or you look like the coyote in a roadrunner cartoon. You're out here and there's no cliff underneath you anymore. You're just out in the air. And the next thing is, poof. So here's the thing that's good about this. We need to understand the Holy Spirit, who we've already learned, is jealous for us will fight for us, wage war for you, take on the enemy, is the one God has trusted to lead us and guide us because he will not do anything contrary to the Father's will for your life. Is this helping? Look at this. Look at this. Jesus is giving us a picture in John, the 16th chapter, of, of spirit-filled living, and this all took place right after the day of Pentecost. The paraclete, the one called alongside, our partner in salvation. So as much as human nature wants to know and control our every moment and our every movement, God's desire is that we trust his Holy Spirit. 
God's desire is that we trust the Holy Spirit to lead us in the perfect will for our lives by the gentle, one-step-at-a-time tugging and pulling offered by the Spirit of truth. Now, wouldn't it make much more sense to follow a spirit that's going to tell you truth than a spirit that's going to lie to you? And we have two choices in this life. For you, it's been carved out that the Holy Spirit is the only voice to listen to. But because oftentimes we forget who we are in Christ, we'll slip back into chapter 7 of Romans and think, oh, what wretched man that I am. When that's not the true you. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not wretched. That's not the true you. That is not the true you. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That is the true you. And so if the enemy comes along and he tempts you, and we know he has the right to do that, and he speaks lies, he's going to pull you in a way that's contrary to the will of God. And then you're going to find out that you're in all kinds of trouble and mess and hardship and heartache. And so it would behoove us to learn how to hear the voice of God in such a distinct way that the enemy cannot deceive us. Who could say amen to that? So, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth, he's only leading you where he's been told to take you. The Holy Spirit is only leading you where he's been instructed by God to take you. It's really not, but if we can get a hold of it, it feels deep because the gospel swells. And if this will swell up in your spirit to understand that God's desire is to lead you like you're in a maze around each turn, around each corner, that if we will follow the Holy Spirit, even in what looks difficult and hard and confusing, he will make us sure dead on for every curve, every turn will be exactly what God wants in my life. Is this okay? Since our whole walk is a walk of faith, why do we struggle with the calling to journey through this life the same as the father of faith, Abraham, did. In other words, why is it so difficult for us to get our mind around the fact that we do not always know where and how the journey ends? We just know God's got a great promise at the end. Now, that if that feels condemning, I do not mean it that way because I'm still working on me. But here's what I want us to get. Obedience to the Holy Spirit is God's will for you. So when he says turn right, turn right. When he says turn left, turn left. When he says come straight forward, come straight forward. Because when I'm obedient to the Holy Spirit, 
incredible, unimaginable blessings and victories and power starts happening in my life. I release a small debt, have a large one released in my own life. I believe that obedience is the outward visible sign of your adoption being complete. The world is looking for the sons of God. The Bible tells us the whole earth is groaning. We know that by chronological time, we're getting closer and closer and closer and closer to that moment. We know by the signs of the times that it can't be very long. Yet the world's still looking. I, I, I just got to be honest. Can I, I'm going to say this. and I'm about out of time. I got to hurry. But Colleen was sharing some stuff. I looked at all the ads, the church ads, and I just was overwhelmed with all of the fluff. The day is coming. When we won't have to jump through all those hoops because they're going to understand, look at those people. They follow God blindly, but, but, but in following him, look at the signs. Look at the wonders. Look at the miracles. Look at the releases. Look at the deliverances that are taking a place not only in their lives, but people who come in contact with them are also having these things loosed in their lives. So I believe that it is the outward visible sign of our adoption being complete that we're living a life led by the Holy Spirit. For as many as are ago or led by the Spirit of God or the truth or the Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit, they are the sons or the children of God. In other words, it is imperative that we build an abode with the Holy Spirit. It is imperative that we build a habitation for the Holy Spirit, a relationship that, that doesn't wane away, a relationship that when the Holy Spirit needs us, he can tug at any moment, and we've not been pulled off by a pseudo-God who's a spirit of lie, but we immediately turn in obedience and hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, and we do what the Holy Spirit says do. Sensitive. I believe we need a sensitivity to his voice, to his pulling, to his tugging, to his nudging, to his impressions, his dreams, and visions. Has God ever talked to you in your sleep? I've had God share things with me in my sleep, and I woke up excited, shouting, couldn't wait to hit the floor. I've had God share things with me in my sleep, and I was afraid to get out of bed. But I don't want God to ever quit giving me dreams because he leads me, he guides me, he directs me, and he nudges me. And he's been given the task of leading your salvation. He's your partner. You accepted he was assigned. You accepted and he moved in. You said yes and he said yes. You said yes, and the Holy Father signed it in the blood of Jesus on the books of heaven, and the Holy Spirit took up residency in you and started cleaning out the junk so he would have a place in you to abide and to dwell and to lead and to guide. 
He has the task of leading you in your salvation and your growth and your development and your maturity and your calling and your gifting. See how important this one relationship is? Hmm. Yet often we ignore this relationship just to stumble around in a self-willed desire for our own lives. And then we get disgruntled with life, and we get disgruntled with the church, and we get disgruntled with our neighbors, and we get disgruntled with our spouse. Because we're not happy because we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit. Can I say it this way? We've let our faith wane. We're not in step with him. We're not listening to his gentle tugs. Understand that God won't force you to do anything, but he'll gently tug, nudge, and pull you into his pathway. Mm. So, even though we ignore this relationship and get into our own self-willed desire, that is neither obedient or in tune with God's will for us personally. If the Father has gone to all the trouble to rescue us and to bring salvation to us, then wouldn't it make sense that he has the right to lead you in the path that will bring you to his desired will for your life? That's why we have the paraclete, the Holy Spirit, the inner witness, the voice, the still, small voice of God. That's why in the middle of the day when it makes no sense, there can be a swirling around my presence, and I go, oh, my goodness, the Holy Spirit, the wind of God is here. That's why when I can stand in the pulpit and lay hands on somebody I felt nothing to that moment, but the moment there's a connection and the Holy Spirit is engaged and the gift in me is activated and the gift in them is receiving. As we pray right there, something transfers from one to another and it has nothing to do with either individual but everything to do with the Holy Spirit who resides within us. Who's leading us and guiding us for our own good, getting us to the desired result and destination that God the Father has designated before the worlds began. <laughs> so let me just say it this way. I believe it's time for us, Passion Church, to, de to develop an obedient relationship with the one who knows all truth. It is time to build an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit. The church made a mistake years ago. I've been through several different church moves. I've seen the good and the bad and the ugly. I've seen the right and the wrong. And I've seen, I've seen lives built up and I've seen lives destroyed because of man's desire and will. In the church. But what God is wanting to do is build such an intimacy with every believer in the house that when someone from the outside walks in, 
they cannot deny that God is in this place. Just think if, if someone from the outside walked in here who's hungry for God, but they really don't know him, but they sensed a power in this house like no other place. That would be life-changing for them. Now, I've seen it happen, and I've seen some run to the altar, and I've seen some run out the back door. Because sometimes we don't know what to do with this crazy thing, this fire of God, this presence of God. And sometimes well-meaning Christians do crazy, goofy things, scare people. The church made the mistake of several years ago of teaching that you could have a relationship with God the Father, you could have a relationship with Jesus the Son, but you couldn't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because he came only to lift up Jesus. Now, I do agree that he came only to lift up Jesus to get us to the Father. But it would make no sense for him to be the still, small voice of my life and me to hear the voice of God and not communicate back to the voice of God. And so much of our Christian walk, we kind of ignore the presence of the Holy Spirit until we feel goosebumps or until we feel a move or until we're, we're praying for somebody and something activates in us. But what would it be like if we woke up in the morning and before we got about the busyness of the day, we just took a few moments to talk to God, the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the one inside, and say, Holy Spirit, speak to me today. Help me not to miss you. Help me not to make self-willed decisions today. And scream if you have to, Holy Spirit, in me for me to hear the danger moments or the places where I'm going to blow it and blow it big. What would it be like if I woke up in the morning and I said, Holy Spirit, I commit this whole day to listening to you. Well, my body's going to be at work. I'm going to be turning a wrench. I'm going to be swinging a hammer. I'm going to be working on the line. But as much as I can... My heart's going to be saying, here I am, God. Here I am. Here I am. When I take that first 10-minute break, God, here I am. When I get my lunch break, I, I, I'm going to eat my lunch, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to devote the rest of that time to you just to say, here I am. What do you got to say to me today? What is my Jesus telling me? Is there something ahead of me that I need to know? Is there a direction I need to turn that I haven't turned yet? Is there a brother that I can forgive? Is there someone in my path that I can speak encouragement to? Is there somebody I work with who just needs some kindness today? Holy Spirit, can we just talk? Can I share my heart with you and have you tell me what to do? How many thinks it would be a good idea to recapture 
the worship of God with the Holy Spirit. If revival's coming to Cameron, they're looking for a people who are so defined, they're different. Some of us interpret different. We take the word that says peculiar, and we want to start acting that way. When that's not what the world's looking for, the world's looking for a God of grace and mercy and tenderness and correction and humility and a people who represent him so accurately that there's something about being around those people that just makes your life better. That's what God desires. That's what God is thirsting for. A people who say yes. Not yes to salvation alone, but yes in my development. Yes in my daily walk. Yes in my maturity. Yes in my study. and Yes in my intimacy of prayer that I'll come into the prayer closet listening more than talking because I want to know what you have for me. Sweet Jesus, my time is up, but your presence is here. Precious, sweet Holy Spirit, you are the spirit of truth. You lead us not just into spiritual truth, but you lead us into all truth. And we recognize you tonight in your role as God. And though it's Jesus' name that is upon our lips and our heart, and our heart is thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus, we want you to know that we are committed to you tonight in partnership. Committed to listening for your voice. Committed into your gentle nudge, your pull, your leading, your guiding. Committed that our life should be peculiar to others around us. The fact that we give you the lead should make our life a treasure trove of blessing for those around us. That we would have the trust in you, Holy Spirit, that in the darkest hour of our life, we know that you're leading us in the path of righteousness. That when it seems there's no light at the end of the tunnel, we know that you are leading us to the light of all men. Holy Spirit, we want to re-sign a covenant tonight with you. I want to re-covenant with you, Holy Spirit, 
that I understand more than I did when I was a nine-year-old boy and I said yes to you. I understand now that what you want most from me in this life is not that I would be a miracle worker, but that I would be an obedient follower of your voice. That at the sound of your voice, I'll turn, I'll go, I'll do, I'll lay hands, I'll pray, I'll believe, I'll trust, I'll climb. That at the sound of your voice and the wooing of your spirit and the gentle nudge of who you are in my inner man, that I can put sin to flight. I can bind devils and demons and bring deliverance. That I can be everything you desire me to be because I've said yes to the covenant of obedience to God. I ask tonight, Father, that you would allow me to re-sign my covenant tonight. I commit and recommit to obedience. I hand you, Father, all lethargy and laziness, self-will, doubt, mean-spirited, unforgiving spirit in exchange for the tenderness to know that there is no condemnation, that I am no longer wretched, but adopted and obedient. Pour out your presence on us now. Have your way in this room. We're so glad you listened to this message today. Our goal is to bring hope, encouragement, and help you win, all while building God's kingdom. At Passion Church, we believe in community. If you would like to partner with us in prayer or giving, then send us a message on Facebook or through our website, passionchurchmo.com. We'd love to hear how God is impacting your life through this ministry.